0: Hey, welcome to Faith in the Fast Life with Nick Ordorf and Fast Life Ministries. Oh, good morning, uh, Fast Life listeners. We are here this morning with uh, Jim Tanner. Jim is a uh, really a counselor at this point, right? Yes, sir. Uh, um, sounds like we got a little bit of a of a past. Some really cool things happening for you. Some great things that you've done. I know doing the research, you, you've been a pastor, you've been a firefighter, a EMT, is that correct? Yes, sir. EMT and also a dispatcher, which I I once was a firefighter for the city of Pueblo, so we have that in common as well. Um, I'm working on becoming a pastor, so that's common. Uh, we've got a few things. We're on, we're on a level here. Um, man, listeners, we're, we're just here to capture a story. We're going to be a little bit different today than, than some of these other podcasts. We're really going to touch in on... On a touchy subject, I guess we'd say um, something that many people may not want to hear. But we're just praying today that God will take this story and just reach a few people out there. So maybe whoever's listening, uh, maybe maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody you know. I know there's going to be some cues and some things in here that are going to help us, and we're we're going to dive into sex addiction and pornography today. So, Jim, welcome to the to the podcast. Thanks so great to have me. you here. Um, tell us about it. That's, that's, what's, what's your
1: story, Jim? Well, you know, I grew up in uh, upstate New York. Everybody thinks New York is just a big city, but there's actually a pretty portion of it, too, with trees and what we call mountains, but people in Colorado will just call rolling hills. Yeah,
0: rolling hills of uh, upstate, upstate New York. Upstate New
1: York. And um, when I was five years old, my mom left me, my brother, who's four years older than me, and my dad. And uh, we just, it was us, and we grew up together. And when a child loses his mom that young, that, that's a major issue. And I started seeking validation in my life. My dad, great father, but he had to end up working like 60, 65 hours a week just to help us survive. And, uh, you know, that coin term latchkey kid... Happened in the 80s. That, that was me and my brother. Five, five years old, nine years old, getting off the school bus with the key wrapped around our neck. We'd come home and no supervision. And uh, I was looking for validation, looking for comfort. And uh, I found a penthouse magazine in my dad's bedroom. And uh, the women in there never told me no. And, uh, so at five years old, I started this addiction, um, that a lot of people don't think sex and porn is an addiction, but it meets all the models. It, it is a chemical addiction. It's just natural chemicals. And they've actually done MRIs on addicts that shoot up with heroin and porn addicts. And when they see porn and masturbate that, that, the, the, the Amount of chemicals that get released in the head is much more because our, our body is wonderfully made. Right. And in the right context of sex, it's meant to be this powerful release. But when you start using it for wrong, it, uh, it starts hijacking the brain. So at five years old, I find this penthouse, and that sends me down a road of not trusting people, um, finding my validation in uh, magazines and HBO specials late at night when my dad was asleep. And, um, then just in my teen years, multiple women, um, I went to Bible college and I just felt like a heretic the whole time, but I, I got married. I pastored a church as a youth pastor for a little while. And, um, this whole time, just having this secret life that nobody would know about so this is
0: similar to that
1: you know for the listeners
0: that that have have heard my story, one of the very first podcasts that's that living in that darkness and mm. kind of that dual role right like you one you're walking a fine line and one one side's in the dark, one side's in the light, and it's it's pulling on you and it also touches a lot on what we talk about in general, you know i wasn't always a believer um you know, it, it it took me a while. It, God was calling me, but I went through a lot of darkness. You were kind of living dual roles. You're in the light and the dark. And I think so many non-believers out there have this vision that people are, you know, pastors especially are, are perfect, right? Yeah. Like they're this perfect person. Like they're following God perfect. And, and the world almost puts them on a pedestal and says... Well, there's no way I can be like them. Who do they think they are? Mm-hmm. But this is a real struggle. This is this is real. This is I. I don't know if you know oh. statistics on this, but I'm I'm sure.
1: So, depending on the statistics you look at, all right. If so, if you go to church this Sunday, I'm going to ruin church for everybody.
0: So I'm a, I, I, we love our church. I love, I love our church. Our people. I love
1: church but people.
0: We are about relationship, not religion. Do you right. know Christ? Or do you know Christ on your couch? Do you know Christ on yeah. your deck? Do you know Christ right. in your car? Or are you having a relationship with them? So that's yeah. Fast Life Ministries is all about yeah. pushing the relationship, not the religion. Right.
1: And when I was in my addiction, you know, I'd be preaching that and looking at pornography in my church office. So there's this disconnect, there's this I called it the dark closet in my heart that nobody could get to. As we look at the statistics, 50 to 75% of men in the church have looked at pornography this last week.
0: Wow. What about so what about in the world alone because I've been I've been struggling with this one in my head a little bit. Like what is that percentage of men that have looked
1: at pornography this yeah. week? When we look at that, it's pretty similar. I have seen up to 90%. That's kind of what I was thinking. Now, the thing is, you've got to figure out, you know, some people will define pornography differently, right? Right. Well, just looking at a penthouse isn't pornography. Just looking at swimsuit issues, not pornography. So, you know, you look at these studies, um, and sometimes you can't even tell what they were defining it as. You know, I, I personally define um, my sobriety as no sexual gratification outside my marriage. So if I look at a woman in a, a swimming in a swimsuit in a bikini and I take a second look and I gawk and I, I let that infiltrate my mind and now I'm thinking about her, well that makes you get that little tingle in my head, right? And so for me, that I don't even let myself do that. I don't I don't let myself take second looks. So similar to the
0: you know the addict, you know me being the addict or the alcoholic, um, you know you, you you can't take that one drink. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't have just one hit of anything. You can't just do one. There is no one. One is one is too many and and never enough all at the same time. So similar in that, that sense, if, if you're looking at a woman that way, if your mind starts to fantasize that way. So I imagine you've developed tools over the time and, and steps and stuff like that um, yeah. to help, help take care of that.
1: Yeah, so one thing I have, when guys come in my office, I have not put a little rubber band on their wrist. Well, I have not put a big rubber band on their wrist. And every time they are tempted, every time they want to take that second look or look at pornography, I have them snap their rubber band. Because what happens is we create connections in our brain synopsis, and um, we've got to break that. You know, it's it's like your body's like, ooh, good looking woman, and and you want to go somewhere in your head, and we've got to break that. And then the other thing I have them do is when they snap that rubber band, I'm like, you've got to look at every person as a wonderfully created person of God, because we are, we're all God's children. He created all of us, yeah. and when you can start looking at women as Children of the Most High God. So I've got six daughters. I've got six daughters, and there's been times I've been out to dinner and I've noticed somebody staring at my daughter. Guess what I do when that happens? I stare that boy down. Now I'm six foot five. I'm a pretty big guy, so I can scare people real easily. No, I mean
0: gentle giant.
1: I'm also a wimp. So (laughs) if they really came back at me, I'm in trouble. But if I started realizing if I'm that protective of my daughters how much more is God protective of the women he created? Yeah. And when that can happen in a guy's head, all of a sudden he he's not going to have that big of a problem anymore. Cause he can, he can see a woman and go, that is a, that is a daughter of the most high God. And I bless her and Jesus help her find some better clothes. Amen. Right. So a uh, little
0: <clears throat> off on this couple, couple things that come into my mind. I've, uh, I don't know if you know Frank to Tony, great, great man that goes to church with us. He wrote a book not too long ago and I don't remember the exact verbiage. I'll have to have Frank on here someday to talk about it, but, um, basically talked about when you see a pretty woman, you know, basically pray to God and say, you know, Lord, you do great work. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. And then move on from it. Right. You don't let your brain go to that place because you meant Im- immediately give God credit for his great works. Um, and kind of the story of the looking at the woman thing I, as we just go to conviction and things that happen. And, you know, I was about a year sober. And uh, crazy thing, my, my wife and I, um, I had a friend from Denver back from my dark past, um, still a good man. But he was actually DJing at a strip club in Denver. And my wife and I went up for Valentine's Day and we said, well, let's go visit him. And we walked in there. This kind of goes back to like your daughter's thing, right? And and I, uh, we went in there, we weren't thinking anything of it, you know, going to say hi to Ty. And I was so convicted. This is before I actually found the Lord, before I was saved. But I'm watching these young ladies on stage, and I'm going, I can't be here. I told my wife, I said, I can't be here. Like I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. Like something's wrong about this, and I'm like. There's those girls have dads somewhere, yes, and whether or not they know them, you know. And this is before I'm a believer, so I didn't think about it as their God's children. But it was a, a different struggle. So I, you just want to kind of share that to pull that out of of, of looking at it. And one other thing that so predominant to me that you know we talk about sex and these things, and you're five years old and you're looking at a magazine. Not even really sure what you're looking at. I'm, I, I can't imagine me at five knowing, but I know somewhere between five and ten, we stumbled across a Playboy and and uh, you know me and the babysitter's kid and and we didn't know what to do with it, but we knew we weren't supposed to be looking at it, mm-hmm. and therefore it was cool. Um, our world has become so, so st- strange like that right now. But one of the things I tell uh, my girls, have two daughters. Um, and this was also read in a great book. I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, virginity is the only gift that God gave you that he also gave you control of. Mm-hmm. You know, God gives us many gifts. That's the one that we have control. We have the ability to to say when we let that go mm-hmm. or don't. Mm-hmm. And if you can look at your virginity in that sense, and even for men to look at it in that sense as a gift and that that's a that's a it's a sacred bond between you and your wife and God and therefore that pleasure center that you talked about when you actually make love to your wife um it's that much greater that's the way God intended it and it's even greater than any satisfaction you could get from a magazine or a video or all the
1: terrible things that are on your phone these days. So sorry for the interruption. No, and you know, that's so true because as I talk to guys in my office and myself, you know, we can all remember that first magazine we looked at, that first woman we looked at. And this is why. When those chemicals are released, it's like glue in our head to what we're looking at. Now, if we look at it through the lens of the Bible, God wants us to be married to one woman. And if the first time you have sex, when you give up your virginity to your wife, guess what picture gets glued in your mind? Mm. Her. Now, when you see your wife, you get turned on. You're ready to have sex. What I see so often is men that are addicted to pornography, um, having affairs, you know, the people that they're looking at, first off, they're airbrushed and they're fake, right? They don't look like their wife. And now, after years of getting turned on by what they're looking at, their wife doesn't look that way. And of course, as we age, things change, right? And now they're looking at 20-something women that are airbrushed, and then they look at their wife, and all of a sudden, why can't I get, why can't I have sex with my wife? Why do I have dysfunction, right? Well, it's because your brain is wanting to look at X, not your wife, but if we follow God's design, the person that you have sex with should be your wife. And now when you look at her, your brain goes, all right. Yeah. That's a huge one for our young listeners out mm-hmm. there is to to keep that in mind.
0: There's so many things that this world can grab a hold of you and pull you in so many directions. I know, obviously, Jim knows um, God has a big plan for us. If we follow his plan it could just be so much more rewarding for all of us. Uh, tell us a little bit more, Jim. I know you, you talked about being a firefighter. Um, actually, you haven't talked about being a firefighter. Forgive me on that. Tonight. You talked about that. I talked about you being a firefighter. Um, tell us more about that. Let's get a little bit more of the history of you. You've talked about five years old. You've, you came through, you, you kind of found the addiction, but where did the rest of your life go? And, and how did you end up here being
1: a counselor with this? Like, when yeah. did you know what were the signs? Tell us, tell us more. So I I went to a college to be a pastor in uh, near Scranton, Pennsylvania, and um, I got married, and I moved to Oregon. There was a church in Oregon that uh, was about to close down, rural Oregon, Hermiston, Oregon. I love that place. I was there for 13 years. And I went to open up this church, reopen it. And uh, that time I became a volunteer. Then we all became part-time firefighters, uh, a medic there. And I just, it was great. I was there for four years and um, my wife left me because of my addiction. Now that's not what was written down in the divorce decree, but me looking back, I was pushing to get her out of my marriage. I wasn't going to sign the divorce decree, but I did everything I could to separate from her and, uh, she left me and, you know, I say she left me like it was her fault. No, I, I, I pushed her out the door. Right. And, um, so at that time I, I obviously wasn't a pastor anymore and, uh, doing the part-time firefighter gig. And then I got a job at this chemical depot in emergency management doing hazmat, high angle, low angle rope rescue. And, um, During that time, we destroyed all the the chemical munitions and they came to me and said, well, Jim, you know, we got to let you go or we can move you to Pueblo, Colorado. I was like, where is Pueblo, Colorado? And uh, so, you know, I do like eating. So I said, "Okay, well, I'll move to to Pueblo. And I moved here and for three months I lived in a hotel because my family was still back in Oregon selling the house, finishing up school. And that's when my addiction came out. And uh, I got caught having an affair Um, working out at at the Pueblo Chemical Depot. We found this great ministry up in Colorado Springs, Dr. Doug Weiss, Heart to Heart um, Counseling Center. And Dr. Weiss is one of the leading um, voices when it comes to sex addiction. He's been doing it for about 30 years. So we signed up for an intensive up there. I went for the intensive um went kind of kicking and screaming not believing i was a sex addict
0: so let me back you up just a minute okay me cap something here so you say you moved to Pueblo and your family came with you but you're three di- months later but this is your divorce you're divorced at this time or are you remarried now
1: i was remarried at this time
0: okay yeah gotcha just because you, you went from we talked about being divorced because your sex addiction pushed it away
1: yeah. now you found a new yes wife you have yes. kids with her now So I had four children from my first marriage. Okay. A daughter. So I had all daughters, four daughters. I got remarried. She had a daughter and then we had a daughter together.
0: Okay. I don't know
1: what it's like to have a boy.
0: I've been blessed. God gave me a boy at the very end. So we have, we have uh, two daughters and a a little boy that three years old. He's into everything. It's, it's a, it's an absolute riot. Okay, so we're back on track with you. So now, okay. we, now we're coming to Pueblo, yeah, getting in with Dr. So Weiss. so
1: going to Dr. Weiss, kicking and screaming, not thinking I'm a sex addict, not wanting to have that label. And um, I remember being in his office on the last day just going, oh, my word, this is who I am. I'm in these groups with, um, with other sex addicts, 12-step groups. And uh, one of my good friends, uh, Matt, Paculio, who works up there, he and I were in the 12-step programs together. And I remember I walked in on a Thursday morning to uh, his group. He was leading it, and there's a bunch of guys in there. And and I just looked at them all, and they all look at me, and I said, I don't trust one of you, and I used some words I won't repeat. And they all just laughed at me. And they said, yep, we've been right there. Come on in, sit down. And um, listening to the group, I'm like, oh, my word. I'm just like these guys. But yet they had joy. They, they had some healing under there. So this started this journey of driving to Pueblo, uh, driving from Pueblo to Colorado Springs once a week for uh, 12-step groups. And then I started our own group here in Pueblo West. And then I started back in college to get my master's degree um, to be a therapist. So I went to Adams State University graduated in 2019 and I left my corporate gig uh, at the end of 2017 to become an intern with Dr. Weiss and uh, was there for about two years and uh, just felt God saying hey it's time to start bringing this message to Pueblo. So in 2019 I found an office downtown and uh, here I am.
0: Got it started and I know you you speak of uh, Dr. Weiss in your YouTube videos as well. And there's a there's a book that he has out, right? Is that something you suggest to people?
1: Yeah, so anybody who thinks they might be struggling with sex addiction, I there there's two books I would say. Um one's called The Final Freedom by Dr. Doug Weiss, and the other one's called Clean. Um both of them are very good. Um the group that I started in uh, Pueblo West, um, it's a 12-step group for sex addiction. I started by using the book Clean. Okay. Clean is great because it, it just talks about, um, it doesn't use the word addictions. And some people are scared about addictions. So it just talks about being pure. And then then as you get through the book, it starts talking about addictions. So I was able to spin it out. Final Freedom's a little more like, hey, you realize you're here. Now, okay. how do we do it? That's step one, right? Yeah. Admitting you have a problem? Admitting we have a problem. I've been through
0: some 12-step dances, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, great programs. Is that something that, uh,
1: you know, across the nation, is that pretty,
0: pretty common to have sex addiction? So there's a few programs? Different,
1: different programs. Um, there's um, SLAA, Sex Love Addicts Anonymous. There's SA, Sex Addiction Anonymous. Um, I run... Um, some zoom groups because there are a lot of places where it's not um, available Uh, my groups are called freedom groups and um, it's a zoom and at first I was like I don't know how well this is going to work not being in a room right but I got some groups that guys like are planning to go on vacation and all meet up in camp together oh that's cool so So,
0: finding some some common ground yeah. and some community, which is community huge in the recovery process of, of anything, whether it's you know drugs or alcohol or or sex. That's finding like minded people.
1: Well, and that's what I love so much about the twelve steps is the very first word is we. Correct. We. And I had no we. I kept everybody at arm's length. Yeah. I looked good. I looked I mean, I was like the face of the fire department in Oregon and in, in Hermiston. I was I was the guy who would take the truck for Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, I'd go to schools and I was that face and I looked like I had it all together, but nobody could come within arm's reach of me because I'm not going to let you know the inner parts of me because that dark closet we talked about that was in my heart. If you truly knew me, you'd hate me. You know, it's this concept of all good, all bad. I'm all good until something gets shown and then I'm all bad. And I, I, the biggest thing I try to teach people is, you know, we're not all good. We're not all bad. We are good people because of what Jesus Christ did for us, and we have flaws. Absolutely, yeah. We
0: all, we all fall short, right? And the, yeah. uh, that's a big one. Like, you, you, I know in your video you talk about it a little bit, and, and we've talked about it before with, with addiction and living in that closet. And, you know, I think, Ben, actually you brought it up at one point in time. You talked about pride. You know, when you're when you're in that section and you're living in that dark closet, and people approach you, your pride is telling you, you know, you can't let them in. Like you can't let anybody know that you're this. You're this upstanding firefighter. I've I've literally been there. I was a firefighter for the city of Pueblo. You know, I'm supposed to be something great. I'm a firefighter. Like look at me. Like this is what I always wanted from being a little kid. I can't let people know that when I get off shift, I drink for 48 hours straight and you know, end up doing drugs and whatever else. They can't know that. Like, got to keep them at arm's distance. So yeah. I feel you there. And I think so many people out there are struggling with that same thing. And I, I say to our listeners
1: again, like, this sets you free. It does. It really does. Well, and look, not everybody's going to do what you and I are doing. You know, we're not. I and tell people okay. there are tiers of people, right? Now, I, I won't share with you and the listeners everything I struggle with. But I got my guy. He's in Colorado Springs. We started recovery together, um, and we've always been in touch, and we talk weekly. Uh, it, it's starting to get more of a, at least a voicemail, but we, we try to talk a week or every other week. But this is the thing. I know that if I have a problem, I can call him, and he's not going to be judgmental. Yeah. And one thing I learned, James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to others for healing. See, so often, especially in the Christian community, when we're struggling with sin, when we're struggling with an addiction, we cry out to God, heal me, heal me, heal me. I don't know how many times over 35 years I asked God to heal me. I'm like, God, why are you not healing me? I even had this false thought in my head that God said to me, you know what, Jim, healing's for everybody else. You've got to deal with this till you get to heaven, then you'll be healed. How horrible is that, right? It's not biblical. In John, it talks about you ask God for forgiveness, and he gives it liberally. But in the book of James 5.19, it says confess your sins to others for healing. See, we've got to use our mouth, and we have to use confession for healing. And when I started doing that, things changed. In fact, there was one time, I um, one of my... Bottom line boundaries is no lying to my wife. Because in an addiction, we're great at lying, manipulating. No lying, period. So one night, I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling sick. And I took a shot of NyQuil, maybe two. And um, I went and laid down on the bed. And I'm in that NyQuil zone, right? I'm like almost ready to fall asleep. And my wife came in and said, did you brush your teeth? Yeah. And I fell asleep. And the next day, I woke up and I remember saying that. And I said, yeah, "But I couldn't remember if it was a dream or not." So I said, "Did I? Did you ask me if I brushed my teeth last night?" She goes, "Yeah." I said, "I didn't. I took that NyQuil and I passed out." It's a lie. Yep. So I went to group that night and I told my group. And guys in my group are like, "Man, you are. That's too much. You don't, you know." And I said to them, "I said, you know what? I'm so good at lying that if I don't confess these little things." I'm on a slippery slope, and I'll confess. I, I won't I agree confess 100%. the big percent.
0: Yeah, I've I've said that many times in in my sober walk. And the minute you start doing those old things, and the the big one for me is the minute you start not telling people that I'm an addict alcoholic is the minute that I'm starting to lie mm-hmm. about who I really am because yeah. that's who I am. That's who God made me, and He's got big purposes for us. But uh, when you start telling even the littlest of lies you're starting to slide down that slope again yeah. and you're, you're headed for dangerous water so um tell us a little bit so for the people out there that might be a sex addict that uh maybe are struggling with pornography you know i know there's some some cues or some signs yeah what are, what are those things that we can tell our listeners to
1: yeah so you've got to look at what's going on you know um are you waiting for opportunities and longing for them like you know one thing I would do is um, I would if my if we were going to go to a party or a family event I would all of a sudden become sick so my family would go and I could stay home and and look at pornography and act out so you know lying about your time finding time where other people are gone Becoming moody when you don't get to look at that pornography or act out. If you start yelling at the kids, kicking the dog, because you haven't been able to do this, that's a that's a sign. Um, losing track of time. You know, family goes to bed. It's ten o'clock at night. You pop open your computer to look at pornography. The next thing you know, it's five in the morning, and you got to be to work at six. Losing track of that time. Covering up, um, having to lie, having consequences. I know guys that have lost jobs because they looked at uh, pornography on their work-given devices. Um, wives catching you in the act and not being happy. Um, so those are a few. Money, having hidden money so you can go act out. You know I've got to have a credit card that she doesn't know about. I gotta have a bank account, um, so those are a few things, you know. And it's really, um, from a mental health standpoint, there's a diagnosis for, you know, in mental health, health we can diagnose alcoholism, drug addiction, gambling, and I hate that. I wish they'd do away with that and just say addiction disorder, because we can be addicted to anything. So I can take those um all nine criteria for addiction and change it to eating toilet paper you know if you if you eat toilet paper you could be addicted to eating toilet paper um, but those are what we look at and when I get somebody in my office, th- those are what I go down hey what did, what are these and then I've got a full intake I take them through which we don't have time for that today but just, over time seeing what people what in their life and of course using dr weiss's material um we've got a very good diagnostic um, criteria that we can go down and um depending where they're at coming up with a game plan of going forward and
0: so obviously this is some pretty you know heavy stuff um you know i know one of the other ones that that i used to do is that uh and still find it a habit sometimes. Today, it's almost like if my wife grabs my phone for any reason, I'm almost mm-hmm. like unsure for a second. But I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not an addict. I'm not a. But in the days when I was using cocaine and the the pornography went hand in hand with it, if somebody grabbed my phone, I was nervous about what they could find in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's a sign for for so many people as well. Right. You're yes. you're clearing your search history you're doing all those things to try to hide this thing that's that right there is a sign that you are in the darkness if you're having to hide from others you're hiding in the darkness and satan has you exactly where he wants you to be Um, what would you say to people that that maybe they're not this deep maybe they're not you know becoming sick for that family event or or you know staying up till five in the morning but on a daily basis teenagers college kids adults using pornography to get that fix instead yeah. of that. What, what do we tell those people that aren't at this level yet, but are right there on the edge and, and they're, they're quote unquote flirting
1: with disaster? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's a slippery slope and the sooner you can stop it, the better, you know, I love in my group when I get a 20 something because it, I tell them all the time, I wish I would have been strong enough to stand up and say, I got a problem. Um, you know, if you're struggling with that, first thing you gotta do is you got to confess it to somebody yeah. and then you got to find somebody who is trained. I, I don't know how many men have come to my office and they've gone to counselors who have no idea about sex addiction. You know, it's kind of like a specialty. You wouldn't go to a podiatrist who is a medical doctor and say, I'm having problems with my heart. I need you to treat my heart. The podiatrist would be like, I don't know how to treat your heart. I can help you with your ingrown toenail. So you need to find somebody who who is trained in this, who can help you. And I tell all my clients, you know, my goal as a therapist is not to keep a client forever. I mean, I got to keep food on the table for my family. God has always brought me clients. What I want to do is get you to where you don't need me anymore. And I have many clients who I've seen for a few months, and then they go away, and, and then they come back every six to eight months just for a tune-up. They say, yeah. I'm starting to circle the drain. I'm like, well, call me when you're circling, not when you're in the drain. Right. So if you're in that point where you're like, man, I'm looking at pornography, I'm feeling horrible about it, I don't like what I'm doing, confess to somebody. Go to a pastor, go to a family friend, somebody you can trust. You don't want this blurted all over town. And then find somebody who's trained in sex addiction that can, you know, do an intake on you and see what you need. Because I'll tell you what, you know, we we have something in the groups I leave, we, we call them the five commandments. Pray in the morning for your addiction. You know, God, help me today to stay sober, not look at women, and keep my eyes on my wife. However that looks for you. Next, go to group. Go to a group at least once a week. Next is make phone calls to men in that group daily. Just check in. Hey, I'm struggling today or I'm doing good today. That helps us We rewire our brain from hiding to being in the light and telling. Next is reading. When I got into recovery, I was 40 years old and I, I never read a book. And I was proud about that. If if a book is worth reading, they'll make a movie out of it. Um, I read up to seven books a month now. And it's all about flushing our brain, putting good information in. And then lastly, before you go to sleep, pray again. Father, thank you for sobriety and help me stay sober tomorrow. Those things, those five commandments, I think are just bedrocks. You know, When we can be in a group of like-minded people, when we are not afraid to reach out and talk to them when we're reading material to help us you know so many people spend hours a day a week looking at bad things well now we got to flip that and start putting some good stuff in there i don't know if i answered your question no, if no, i went off perfect, on a dude. tangent
0: no it's it's absolutely perfect it's uh you know those five things and for those people you know that maybe you know we talk about having somebody to talk to i know that there was times that my pride when i was in my addiction i felt like there was nobody i could talk to and that's another lie that we start to tell ourselves that you know nobody's going to understand this i can't tell anybody because i'm i'm living a lie um at the time i found a forum however on facebook Mm -hmm. that had had a little bit of help but it 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 started me down that hey I'm not alone I can go get help again. Is there things like that exist as well? There are forums
1: um, on Facebook on different things like that that people can get yeah. a hold of, or is it? You know I know Dr. Weiss has some Facebook stuff out there. Okay, groups out there, um, and I know S A S L A A also has those. So if you search those, you can find those. Okay. What about for uh, people getting a hold of you? So the way to get a hold of me, a couple different ways. Um, Of course, go to my website, thenextrightchoicecounseling.com. From there, you can find, um, you can email me, um, or you can email me directly, Jim at tnrccounseling.org. Or you can call me, 719-766-9299.
0: Yeah, lots of options here for uh, to get help from Jim, You know, no matter what level you're in, where where you're at. If you even know you are, maybe you know somebody is, maybe a spouse is listening right now and they're looking at these signs and saying, "Man, like maybe I need to get my husband help or, or my wife help." And there's another thing that we'd, we we don't even talk about. I think mm-hmm. that uh, everybody just assumes that that pornography addiction and sex addiction is a male thing. Um, I am sure that there's a whole nother episode that we could do just on the women's side of it we'll leave it alone for today jim we're so thankful for you to be here with us and with our listeners and as always guys fastlifeministries.com to give and keep this podcast and the whole ministry mission going we just appreciate the time on the air with everybody and we will sign out for today jim thank you again thanks for having me have a great one guys